UConference football is introducing the new fall flag football league for boys and girls ages 5 to 7. Learn to play and love the game. Have a great experience. Come play flag football. Sign up today at UteConferenceFootball.org. Time now to talk with Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Dan, good morning. Hey, how are you doing? Good. You know, there's a, a week or two here where Jazz fans enjoyed being congratulated. Dennis uh, Lindsay and Justin Zanuck and the team did a great job making that Mike Conley trade, and some people are saying the Jazz are the best team in the West. And Jazz fans enjoyed hearing that right up until the moment that Oklahoma City traded Paul George to the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard landed, and that's all anybody's talking about. How open is the West? How much are the Clippers the favorite? How far... How far back are the Jazz now when you analyze how this stacks up? I do think the West is fairly open. I also think the Clippers should be the favorite. I I don't think I'd favor them over the field, but I do believe they belong ahead. We've just seen, uh, and maybe this is some recency bias after just seeing how well Kawhi Leonard played in the playoffs, but he is so good. Paul George is so good. They have the surrounding talent. Uh, I think they deserve to be the favorite. I think the Lakers, in terms of winning a championship, are probably second because they have that elite star power and they have a clear impetus to do it soon while LeBron James is still in his prime. Uh, whatever pieces they have to push in uh, for this season, I think they will. So I think they probably belong second when it comes to a championship, and that's what I think we're talking about here. And then somewhere in that next tier is Utah. Uh, with Denver, I'd say uh, maybe the the Trailblazers are in that tier. Maybe the Jazz are, are near the top of that that next tier, right in the hunt, because it is fairly wide open this year. Yeah, so you look at the Clippers. They made major moves, obviously the Lakers. And I would put the Jazz in that category of making major moves themselves when it looks like they're going to have probably two new starters, certainly two significant players in their rotation, if not three or four, that weren't there for last season. And then you mentioned those other teams, Portland, and I put Houston and Denver, haven't made significant additions, but right now, let's see, get your thought on it, I don't see where I can argue those t- those teams are declining. Really, the only team who made the playoffs last year of the West that I see declining is Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma City is definitely going to drop, especially if they trade Russell Westbrook. Um, I think the Rockets could decline. They're, they're at an age where you can't count on that, although I'm glad you brought them up. They do belong in that same tier. They do have some value in continuity. The Nuggets, uh, their combination of how good they were last year and how young they were uh, is historic. So I would count on them getting better. Uh, the Jazz get better through their outside upgrades. So, yeah, I, I do think it's – you know, maybe the very top team, the Warriors, are, are going to drop too, right? They're going to have – they lost Durant. They're going to have Clay Thompson out most of the year. It's going to be an awkward fit with D'Angelo Russell. They're going to drop. Uh, and so that, that lowers the top end of the West. But, yes, a lot of these teams are getting better. But it doesn't really seem realistic to say four, five, six teams have a chance to win the West and go to the NBA Finals. I mean, six seems like a big number. Even if you break it down team by team, you can kind of make the case. Doesn't it sound outrageous to say that? No, not to me, not at all. I, I've always thought we've overhyped how good the the favorites are, how great their chances are. Uh, I think we've, for years, have talked about it the wrong way. I've never bought into the Warriors as inevitable. Every year I thought they had the best chance, and some years it was 
slightly better than the field, but never much more than that. I mean, we the way we talked about them, uh, nobody thought they were this great favorite their first year. And then the next four years, they won the title half the time, which is a lot. Winning the title half the time is a ton, uh, but it's still half the time. That's not how people talked about it. People talked about, like, they would definitely win every year. And I don't think that's how it works, and I don't think having – six teams really solidly in the race to win the West is absurd. Since we've had the Warriors be in this situation then for the last few years, and then with your statement that you just made, how good is that for just not the necessarily the individual fan of a basketball team, but for guys like me who are just fans of the sport and are looking for more competitive balance? Well, it's it's different. Uh, I do think people are welcoming this different setup. But I do think even if you had a super team, let's just say Kawhi Leonard went to the Lakers and they would be the overwhelming favorite in everybody's eyes. I do think between all those other teams, the odds would be strong that somebody would emerge. And that would have been good in its own way, where you have this this behemoth that there are a ton of Lakers fans and then there are a ton of anti-Lakers fans and everybody can get excited about either the Lakers being good or somebody trying to beat the Lakers. I do think somebody would have emerged. So this is a little different. It is fun in its own way, but I think it would have worked well either way. Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk, joining us. You know, for all the talk in the West, you look over in the East, and Milwaukee lost Brogdon and Philly. Well, Philly lost a couple guys. And Toronto obviously lost Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it, every, you, you just talk about how so many teams in the West are getting better, and it doesn't look like the top teams. I, I guess it's just the Celtics lost Horford, too. It doesn't look like the top teams in the East are getting better. Uh, at least not for next year. The Nets were a scrappy team with some young depth, and they obviously added two stars. Uh, but if Kevin Durant's not playing, it won't matter next year. No, that's probably true. I think the 76ers uh, retooled more than they got better. A lot of different pieces. I'm not sure they're better. Uh, the Bucks can maybe maintain where they're at. Like you said, they lost Brogdon. Uh, but they rebounded fairly well from that, getting Wesley Matthews, keeping George Hill, uh, it could have it could have gone worse if you're losing Brogdon. They might they were also a a young team and a playoff inexperienced team that I think will uh, benefit from having gone through that last year playing a tough series against the Raptors. I think the Bucks will be better for that long term. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little better, even if their uh, roster has dropped slightly. I'll throw a theory at you, get your reaction relative to the Jazz. You look at Conley and Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles and even Gobert. These guys are proven commodities. They do what they do, so we should expect them to continue to do what they do for the Jazz. And for the Jazz to take that next step, in my mind, it centers on Donovan Mitchell because he has the skill. He's still young enough to where he can improve. The last couple years in his first year, two years in the league, everybody agreed the burden that he was carrying was probably too much for someone of his stature and experience in the league. But I view him as a wild card, and if he can really step up his game and be more efficient, be more effective, then he could be the difference maker, assuming that the other guys who are veteran, more of veterans in this league are going to give you what they give you. How would you react to that? I'm with you. I think that's the exact right way to look at it. What I'm very curious about Donovan Mitchell now is I think his value previously was he could get for himself pretty good shots considering that his teammates 
or a bunch of defensive-minded players. And, you know, he wasn't playing with these dynamic offensive players. A lot of attention was on him. He had a lot of responsibility. And he still got pretty decent shots. And the value is you can get pretty decent shots while having this great defensive personnel on the floor, and you're going to stop the other team a lot. Well, now they've got better offensive players. Is Donovan Mitchell going to get way more efficient shots now? Or is that just kind of his game where he is good at getting pretty efficient shots, even against, even in tight spacing without the, the ideal offensive teammates? Or can his game translate to being a more efficient player on a good offensive team? Uh, that's going to, to be an adjustment for him. It's a different thing. It's a different skill set. It's similar, but it's not the exact same. And I don't know because we haven't seen it, but I do think that it's worth getting him this upgraded offensive personnel and seeing what he can do because you need to evaluate whether he's that type of player. So it can be a different thing being the guy who carries a team and then the guy who has to play off the ball and you know support other guys and all that. Bogdanovich gets a lot of credit for how well he played in Indiana once Oladipo went down. But a lot of people, when they're writing that, are saying, oh, he had the ball in his hands and he really delivered. Well, I'm not sure he's going to have the ball in his hands that much in Utah. How's he going to fit with Jazz? I think we've seen enough of Bogdanovich in different situations to have confidence. He was playing very well for the Pacers uh, before Oladipo went down, too, especially uh, in the 2018 playoffs. That was probably the highlight of his career, what he showed he could do defensively against LeBron James, how he worked in an offensive complementary role. I, I think he's a versatile player who's comfortable with the ball in his hands more than I thought he'd be early in his career and still comfortable as a complementary player, a spot-up shooter, uh, who can attack closeouts, who can do those other things. And so I, I think the Jazz can use him in multiple ways. He can be that complimentary player when he's playing with Donovan Mitchell, playing with Conley. There might be times when you're resting Conley and Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Bogdanovich is initiating more himself. He can do both. I think that the success that the Nuggets had last year was better than expected. I think they were the surprise team in the regular season by doing as well as they did. Do you see any of these teams surprising us this year? Hmm, uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I was higher on the Nuggets last year, so I wasn't shocked. But yeah, maybe that is the the baseline. I I think the you know if we're looking league wide, not just the West. I think the Hawks are a team on the rise. I, I think they're probably closer to where the Nuggets were two years ago. Not quite in the playoffs, uh, but making more progress than people thought. I think the Kings uh, could be pretty good. They were really good last year until uh, they tailed off at the end. Very young roster, and then did a I thought a very good job this off season of building veteran depth at the right spots with players who fit. Uh, I think the Kings really could be poised to take that next step. How far away are the Mavericks? They get Porzingis back after injury, and when you're looking at teams that might move into the playoffs or might move out, is there somebody they can bump out? Yeah, they're going to be right on the edge, I think. Uh, some of it's going to uh, depend on Porzingis' health. Uh, they have they have a lot of players who fit Rick Carlisle's system, or at least the Mavericks think so, who just maybe aren't quite as good league-wide, but it's such a specific thing Carlisle does there, and there's such a comfort level. With guys like Dwight Powell they bring back. They bring back J.J. Barea. Uh, they signed Seth Curry, who played for the Mavericks previously. They have such a focus on bringing in their own guys that I do think sometimes we sleep on them uh, because the 
the player quality throughout their roster might not be as strong as you'd want to see, but they all know their rules. They all, the Mavericks know all of them fit, and that could be a team that's better than the sum of its parts. You look at the Lakers, you know, they seem to be somewhat of a dysfunctional unit, and they still walk away with a couple of players that are obviously very, very good. And the pressure now is expecting title or bust with LeBron being older and Anthony Davis being as talented as he is. So if they fulfill it, life is good. But if they don't and get off to a slow start and things aren't working, do you see any possibility of that situation maybe blowing up in their face a little bit? Absolutely. A a team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins in the locker room, uh, there's some volatility there. And I think they did a decent job this offseason. I think Danny Green was a player they absolutely had to go get. They made some nice other moves on the edge with Jared Dudley, another guy who's not afraid to to speak his mind. So, yeah, there is a lot of pressure on this team. And we saw last year how quickly it could go south. I think the Lakers are better positioned this year, but that comes with even more pressure. And, yeah, there's definitely a volatility factor here. It seems unbelievable to think that AD would walk away after a year as a free agent. I mean, it's L.A. If there's turmoil, do you just wait LeBron out? He's getting older. How much longer can he possibly? And he's coming up on 50,000 career minutes. It's outrageous. When you, when you talk about it blowing up, could we actually see AD just pull up stakes and say, I'm out? Because given who his agent is and his agent has ties to LeBron, that would be kind of be a, a divorce there in the family. Yeah, it would be shocking. I mean, it was surprising when Dwight Howard left uh, after he got to the Lakers for one season, too. So we can't say we've never seen that happen, but it would be shocking because Anthony Davis did go hire Rich Paul. That's because he wanted to be on the Lakers. Uh, he he knew all along this is where he wanted to be. I will say that the way this could go south is Andy Davis has played his whole career in a small market of New Orleans. Going to the Lakers is going to be very different. I also always say that playing with LeBron James is unlike playing with anybody else in the league. Uh, Everything that comes with it, good and bad, it's not for everyone. Now, Anthony Davis clearly did his research and thought it was for him, and I think he's right. But once you get in that experience, you might decide something different. So we see the commissioner come out and say, you know, these rules are sort of a bad look because nobody's adhering to them with the waiting until the deadline to talk. I mean, it's clear that uh, there's been all sorts of conversations, if not, in fact, deals well beforehand. You think they're going to do away with these rules or is there some form of modification that they can do? I was stunned that Adam Silver uh, said his only thing he really wants, the thing he finds most important, is that if you're going to have rules, you should enforce them. And that is such the opposite of how the NBA has operated. They have these rules that they don't enforce at all, except for every once in a while. And I just think that's so unfair uh, when they do and don't enforce it. That's what I've been saying for years. Get rid of the rules you're not going to enforce. I don't really care how they do it. I don't care if they allow it because it's happening anyway. I don't care if they crack down and really say, you know, you can't talk to anybody until free agency starts. Because then people would get in line and it would just push back the process, but everything would be fine. It doesn't really matter to me, except for I am with him. Get rid of the rules you're not going to enforce, because that just leads to selective, arbitrary enforcement. Okay, but even when they enforce them, it doesn't matter. I mean, Magic Johnson got fined for tampering. Doc Rivers got fined for tampering. They both ended up getting the guy they wanted. Fifty grand is just the cost of doing business. So even when they enforce it, so what? Um. 
I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the Lakers fine was half a million, and I think they probably miss it. Uh, do did they get Anthony Davis because they tampered? Probably not. It was did they get Paul George because they tampered? Definitely not. You know, so I don't know how much it helps teams. They might say it's a cost of doing business, but it's also probably a cost you don't need to incur. You believe in Paul George being able to be a true second superstar because he's had some playoff failure? I think we, the way we talk about Paul George is so unfair. He has already proven he can be the best player on a championship-caliber team. He did it with the Pacers. Those, those Pacers teams were right on the edge of beating the Heat. And they pushed the Heat deep into a playoff series that could have gone either way. Miami won and then won titles. And so, to me, the, those Pacers were, were championship caliber. They just happened not to win. They might not have been the best team those years, but they were good enough with the right breaks. Paul George was their best player. Uh, he's already proven that he can be the best player on the title team. He's even better now, coming off the best season of his career. I think he can definitely be the second best. Well, if that's the case, then you said you wouldn't take the Clippers versus the field, but what's the weakness you see in the Clippers? Because their best player can certainly get it done, and their depth looks looks pretty good. Just the randomness of the world. I, I think being favored over the field is such a huge distinction that we put on teams too often. You, know, you have to be so great for me to be considered favored over the field, just randomness of anything that could happen, any team emerging, any injuries, anybody's uh, production declining on, on that team. There's just so many different things that can happen that being uh, you know, somewhere in the 40% range, that's huge. That's being a great team. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, well, Dan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little basketball with us. Thanks for having me.